Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts. Jessica! And I am Chris Eaton. Oh, Jessica, we are on... Uh, we have officially started what I would like... What I'm calling the year of Kaiju. Uh, it is... We're, we're, we're in March. We're actually recording this towards the end of March, and we are, are we are in spinning distance of Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, I can taste it. It's in the air. It's like fall. It's like when... You know when you feel... Fall is coming. You're just like, ooh, there's a little chill. You know it's coming. You can feel. You can put your. You can put your hand on the ground. And you feel Godzilla versus Kong is coming. It's almost here. Yes, it is. For those who are overseas, it comes out this Friday. Mm-hmm. And then for those who are in here in the U.S., it comes out on the 31st. Yes, we have to wait a few more days, but uh, most of us will get to watch it in the comfort of our own home. Yes, yes, and that's 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 the route I'm gonna take. Mm-hmm. I've been talking with different friends. Some are renting out a theater. Some are braving it to see it with other people, mm-hmm. and some are just gonna see it from the comfort of their own home. I am one of those jackasses uh, braving it. So <laughs> I'm actually driving from uh, Disneyland to Las Vegas, which is not a short jaunt for anybody who doesn't know the area. Um, but yes, but, uh, I, I, I can't wait. Oh, I feel like, I feel like you've heard those, the, that feeling like when you enter Christmas time, like, and you're just almost like school's going to end. Like, you know, you have one more day and then there's like five more days till Christmas. So you got all that build up. And you're just like, Oh, I'm just give me Rudolph. Give me, give me frosty. I want, I want it all. Oh, I, I have been taking in everything. I just sat down and watched. The 4K of Godzilla. I'm going to watch Kong tomorrow night. I can't. Mm. Oh, you have no idea how long I have waited nearly my entire life for this particular movie. Because, oh, it's, it's, it's my, technically it's my second favorite Godzilla film. But it's one of the first ones I ever saw. So, it has a lot of special meaning to me. But, we are not talking about Godzilla vs. Kong today. That is for the next show. Uh, today, what we're talking about is, I want to say, the appetizer to this beautiful year we're already living in, the year 2021. Uh, we are we have started the year of the kaiju with a brand new animated series. I dare not use anime because it's not quite anime. It is Netfliximation, let's call it that. But we finally got a new entry into our beloved Pacific Rim series with Pacific Rim The Black. And Jessica and I are going to deep dive in this episode. So if you haven't watched it all, I recommend pause this uh, episode. It's been out for about a month now. Go to Netflix. Watch it. Seven episodes. I think it totals about three hours uh, of runtime. It is, in my opinion, well worth it. But we're going to find out what Jessica thinks because I haven't really picked her brain yet. So this is going to be this is going to be a big deal. So we're going to go deep diving into that. And fair warning, spoilers abound. So you have been warned. That said, let's get into it. Jessica, 
Yes. First off, I want your just your your purest, rawest opinion and thoughts on what you thought of Pacific Rim: The Black. Oh my goodness. Okay. A part of me has been thinking about how to word this without hatred from the internet, but also that is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. You can tell a person that you like the color green and somehow still get screamed at online. Mm -hmm. So I guess here we go. It was not what I was expecting Mm -hmm. at all. And since we've already given the preface that we're the, the disclaimer that we have a spoiler so spoiler again all right starting from this point you can pause but we're just gonna go ahead uh i guess definitely it was things that i didn't see coming Mm -hmm. uh one of the so i am more surprised than anything i did not see kaiju boy our little kaiju (laughs) jesus messiah coming Mm -hmm. i mean we knew he was different i just didn't think he would be i mean the fact that his hair was different and he didn't speak, obviously. And he was in a lab. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. You know he was going to have some sort of interesting thing. However, just from the two live-action films that we saw, that was not really something that I had anticipated, along with the fact that I didn't anticipate, like, a mecha kaiju. Like mm-hmm. a mech kaiju. Apex? Yeah. You know, Apex, yes, mm-hmm. Apex is his name, but any any mech kaiju, you know, amalgamation. That I did not see coming. However, I did really like those two aspects. I do believe that they are trying to hit a certain... Obviously, the two certain markers is the general audience and those who like kaiju and mechs. So mm-hmm. to speak from the general audience point of view, I actually didn't really like any of the human characters except for <laughs> kaiju boy mm-hmm. because they are very – some people love them. I think it's great, and I can see why. But a lot of anime and a lot of certain types of franchises, there's a lot of children, they're younger – Younger characters are the central point. And they have to be, they're usually written in a certain way with a certain type of personality, right? They are orphans. So they have a chip on their shoulder and then they're upset. And you usually have one like sibling that is more protective and lives, wants to live in this bubble and the other one is always doing reckless crap Mm -hmm. you know so it's very much and then you have the generic bad guy who was making such terrible decisions in every step of the way that pretty much my eyes is that emoji that is just two large eyeballs looking to the side if you (laughs) if you see that emoji that was me during the entire the entire film. So none of, I never really felt any connection to any of the human characters because I believe that they are I wouldn't say a trope because I I mean I'm because that just seems kind of mean. Mm-hmm. But they are characters that you've definitely have seen elsewhere. You know, you can tell exactly kind of where they're going to go, where they're going to lead, right? You have the girl with the chip on her shoulder, she's very upset. You try to help her, she's going to yell at you anyways. So, you know, the one that serves the the villain, the human villain of this of the story. Shane and so, uh, uh, yeah, Mia Shane. and Shane, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mia and Shane. Her name is Mai. Her name is Mai. Mai. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was very interesting, just totally on the, on the minor, minor, minor thing. Uh, 
Her name sounded Asian. Mm-hmm. She did not look Asian until you saw the flashback where she was in a Chinese restaurant and somehow her parents are super East Asian looking. Yeah. But she's got the biggest eyes. Well, I would have If it wasn't her name, I would have been like, oh, I didn't realize that she was Asian. But, but uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to cut you off there, but there is a plot device midway through that might be throwing that off for in the second half of the season when they release it. Yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. What I I just I didn't feel personally a connection to any of the human characters as mm-hmm. everyone knows who's longtime listeners, I am more of a kaiju person. Mm-hmm. Copperhead was unkillable <laughs> for all kinds of reasons I don't understand. But I did like the fact that I, my favorite is Kaiju Boy, obviously Apex. Mm-hmm. I think he's very cool. He has the color scheme and looks of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. And he serves no one but himself. He's almost got an, I wouldn't say an angrier disposition. He's kind of just like the Keanu Reeves. He just does his, he's a man of his own path. Mm-hmm. He is just does his own thing. He has no allegiance to anyone. I really like those type of characters. And so I did like that. And I really like Lola, who's the AI. Oh, yes. And, Yes, in their Jaeger, I love her type of humor mm-hmm. that she has. I did like the fact that their Jaeger reminds me of Real Steel, the mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman. Yes. Where sure. Adam, yeah, Adam is meant to be a sparring mm-hmm. or to be a practice mech and not necessarily one fully equipped with weapons because it allows the character some sort of creativity to see how they're going to get out of situations. Mm-hmm. So overall, the human characters uh, are kind of scumbags, and yeah. the robots, the robots and the monsters are kind of the best aspect. Um, before we delve any further, and now because this is continuing the story of the first two films, and when you watch it at first, you're like, "Wait, where in the hell is this taking place?" And they do reveal later on yeah. that it is yeah. post uprising, and you're like, "Oh, okay." There's still one or two things that doesn't explain, but you know what? Uh, so far, they, I, I felt they did a decent job of kind of laying out the timeline and where things are at. But there yes, are still yes, yes. I like the ghost. I do. I do want to say I like the ghost drifting. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy the fact that we saw Herc Raleigh, Raleigh, yeah. excuse me, and I'm sorry, we saw Herc, yeah. but. He, along with Riley and Pentecost, mm-hmm. was referenced. Yes. And there was definitely a callback. Although the joke I kept telling to myself was, I guess the apocalypse was not canceled. Uh-huh. Just that day. <laughs> but not, not forever. This is this is a Terminator timeline. Yes. Where it just keeps on moving. You cannot stop Judgment Day. You can only postpone it. Yes. Very well put. So... Uh, so overall, so so overall, you did you enjoy it? Did you? I'm, I'm assuming overall you, uh, I, well, your overall like it, it, just a general, liked it or didn't like it? I did like it. I did like it. For me, it's like a seven out of ten. Okay. So that's how I would do that, and it's mostly because I really enjoy. Lola the AI. Mm-hmm. I think she was a huge highlight along down to her humor. Mm-hmm. Now, 
for those who have who've come into this podcast later, we've been doing this for oh my god, nearly eight years now. Um, Pacific Rim was kind of the thing that got us going uh, for Jessica and I. Like, it was technically our second show ever. We reviewed the film. Uh, you like we? I I'm, I don't think I'm you know stepping on the line saying we both love that film. Am I correct? Yes, I absolutely loved the first one because I actually cared about the people and the kaiju. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now. What, we didn't ever get around to reviewing the second one. Uh, what did you think of that, Jessica? The second one? Uprising. Uh, Uprising, I I understood the general mass appeal. I didn't like it as much as the first. Mm-hmm. But I am one of those that better to have a Jaeger movie than no Jaeger movie at all. Okay. But I did feel that the what Del Toro did really well was understand weight and gravity and movement of both the kaiju and the Jaegers. Mm-hmm. And but it did it was dark. Like I think one of the things people complained about was definitely a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. You know. However, this one for the second one by Stephen Knight they were very agile. Uh, you can chalk it. The Jaegers are very agile. You can mm-hmm. chalk it up to just advancement yes. in technology but also they did fight during the day they did and so you could see it a lot better so, but i did overall for me enjoy the first one more yes. okay so for me i'm an unapologetic defender i love part one i'm an unapologetic defender of part two i get i get everyone's criticisms with it and you know what i i uh, they, they are valid. I'm not saying that uh, people's criticisms about it aren't valid. Um, there are a few things that I do feel people rip into part two more on, more into, not more on, more into than kind of it deserves. Uh, a couple of things with, you know, the the idea of like the young cadets, like people were, I, 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 that doesn't bother me. Um, and I do actually, I did, I did love. Um, uh, 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 Finn. Uh, why am I blank? Um, why am I blanking on his name? Finn. Uh, 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 uh. John Boyega. Wow, I had a huge mind fart on that one. Sorry about that. I did love John Boyega in it. I get that the fact that the film part two was not going to be the part two that Guillermo wanted to do. Um, but that being said, uh, my my two core loves in life are giant monsters and giant robots, especially super robots. And if anything, the Pacific Rim Uprising gave me was probably the closest thing I will ever get to a super robot movie. And that in, a, in itself makes me happy. I went back and rewatched part two before uh, this premiered. And it's just, it's a big... To- it's 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 a movie of a like a couple of kids bashing their toys together, and I am perfectly fine with that. I kind of love the fight scenes in it, and I do love the fact that it is uh, completely in daylight. And I don't mind the the Jaegers being as light as they are. So that said, going into this, now we're entering the territory as close as possible that is part of the inspiration for this thing. 
and uh, I ate it up. I ate it up like it was a chocolate fudge sundae just doused in sprinkles. Um, it took... The first episode is that is it, much like many, many things like this, uh, it takes a minute to kind of get your footing. Uh, the beauty about playing with this universe is that you're already kind of aware of certain things. Um, but them kind of starting in the middle and not telling you where, where it was until towards the end, like in the timeline, kind of distracts you a bit. Once you get past that, then everything kind of becomes clear. Um, the animation actually thought was a vast improvement from the Godzilla movies that we uh, got from Polygon Pictures. Uh, the, it looks much smoother. There are one or two scenes that were like, you're like, ooh. But past that, this felt like a a very dark Pacific Rim. Like if they were to do like a, if they did another movie and went for a, a hard PG-13, uh, definitely that's what this world felt like. And I I kind of was all in on it. Like I I I love bastard characters. I love characters that kind of are pieces of crap when they work. I thought Shane worked well when Shane is introduced and his crew with uh, my you realize this is essentially Pacific Rim Fury Road. The whole thing takes place in Australia. It's a post-apocalyptic Australia because the black is actually, you find out that it's a command to completely quarantine off the entire continent. So whoever got left there is left to fend for themselves. And it pretty much, you know, shit hits the fan. And our two young protagonists, who happen to be the children of Jaeger pilots themselves, find a Jaeger, and unfortunately it sets off a chain of events that uh, gets them going. It pretty much gets the crap eaten out of them. There are ideas in this show that I was always curious whether or not this series would ever toy with. And immediately, like once it one by one, the dominoes of these ideas fell, and it just made me love it more and more. I'm a big lore guy. If you can give me a solid story, but play with the lore, I, I'm in. And I, again, I'm an easy mark for this stuff. The idea of playing with the drift tech, uh, especially the way Shane uses it to manipulate when he's trying to get information out of Taylor, you're. I, you're like, oh my god! Like he's he's screwing with 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 the drift, and he's like he's getting the information. I'm like, that's brilliant. that's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the things I was kind like I kind of was into for uh, uprising that they never touched on, which was all right. There's no more kaiju, but we have all these giant robots laying around, and it's not like we're just going to dump the technology. So what is that world post giant monster like when now we have these big-ass robots running around. They give you kind of a taste of it, but they don't ever really go into it. Here, we start dipping into that world of, okay, so we have this drift tech. What can you really do with it? Um, we find out later with another character uh, named Joel, who's a friend of Mai's, uh, when he is forced to drift with a bunch of these slacker mercenaries, to try to get our hero Jaeger, uh, Atlas Destroyer, by the way, fantastic name. Um, his brain pretty much turns to mush, but it's not like it 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 killed him. He, he pretty much he's unable to uh, properly pilot a Jaeger, but he also picked up 
different aspects of all those dudes he was trying to drift with. And those kinds of things, I'm like, that that is utterly and absolutely brilliant. Like, I, I really hope that as the show progresses, we get more of that. I also hear pages turning. So did you take literal notes? Hard copy on a piece of paper. <laughs> I did. I was ready for this one. So I'm trying to yes, because again, I'm trying not to fully rant too much and I kind of want to stay on point, but there are many points that I wanted to get to on this. Feel free to step in at any time because I might get long winded with this. I really did. Once this, once this, um, this first part of the season wrapped up, I was, I, I, I was in, I, I, I freaking loved it. The introduction of boy, which you immediately, if you watch enough anime, you know, okay, kid with gray hair, something's going to be up with him. Usually the gray haired kid, the gray haired boy is always something special and usually diabolical. That's a, that's a big anime trope. Um, I, Lola, I, freaking love lola oh i love her so much i love the ai having a personality that's one of the things that i i dig about the um the jaeger interfaces were you know the first one it was essentially um the ai from uh what is that portal the game portal i think it's the same voice Guillermo was a big fan of that and so he got he got that actress to do the voice for Gypsy Dangers um, AI. This time around, though, having the AI interact with the pilots is so good. It's so good because her, not only that, she has a sense of humor and it's a dry wit. It's almost like watching an episode of Frasier in, in, in moments because she's just so there's there's a low key sass to it, and I would oh absolutely loved it. Um, I love the design of uh, Atlas Destroyer. I love the big phoenix across her chest. I love the fact that she's kind of like, like she's a Mark III, so she looks closer to the uh, Jaegers from the, from the first movie instead of like the more uh, sleeker Jaegers from the last film. Um, I did love the fact that uh, it turns out that stuff from the last film went down after that, after those, um, after the credits rolled. And we might be privy to that information. And not only that, but uh, when uh, they visit the um, the Kaiju graveyard in the outback where the rib, where the rifts are opening and you see the fallen Jaegers around yeah. and they scan, uh, I think it was Horizon Brave, which was one of the background Jaegers in the opening of the first film. And it's I'm like, oh, oh my God, are they doing something with this? Like the, what I call the ancillary Jaegers that Nika made because they're like, we made all the hero ones. What else can we make? Let's make these. I'm like, okay, where's this going? There, there's enough threads laid down, like um, for you know, next part of the next of the season, to where I'm like, okay, I can't, I cannot wait. I love the kaiju designs. I love the fact that they are. I love Copperhead especially, that they they finally gave one of the kaiju a, a personality. If I have any complaint with the Pacific Rim series, is that the Kaiju are kind of fodder, and some of their designs are a little. I mean, I get it. They're uniformed, cloned monsters. They're 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 essentially the row beasts from Voltron, like the classic Voltron, not the new awesome Voltron from Netflix. So, you know, they're all going to kind of look the same. Um, and controversial, 
I prefer the the kaiju design in the second movie to the first film. But that's just me. This one, finally they gave the kaiju something to do. I love the idea of Copperhead being a Jaeger killer. Like, how the Jaegers in the, in, the, in the first film have, like, all the markings of all the kaiju they killed. This one was kind of turning the, the tide and has pretty much destroyed several other Jaegers already. And I love the... I love... It's a quad. Uh, it's a quadruped too. The, this, there's not enough of that. We don't have. The, I don't. I miss monsters that run on all fours. We don't really get that today, uh, and it's it's kind of sad. It's part of it goes to my love for for Angulus. So there's that. Um, what, and not only that, but the introduction. And not only that, but they did bring up the classic uh, kaiju's as well. So we got to see the fact that they're. There were more Slatners. There were more, um, like, trespassers. They, the, the fact that apparently the, this war with the Precursors is, has gone on much longer, and they have sent more of the same, you know. Because the thing with the first film, them laying out, yeah, each, each kaiju is different. It's, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're their own interesting thing. But now it's like now they're becoming mass-produced units like in Ava. So when you see something like uh, Copperhead, I'm like, cool, I, I'm all down for this. He was the big boss for the, first half of the, for the first half of the series. He got his point across because it sets up both um, uh, Atlas Destroyer, you know, once it gets its new upgrade and, you know, their first real big victory. And then not only that, but the reveal of Kaiju Boy, which I'll get into in a, in a minute. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, Shane, I thought it was a great, I think he's a great scumbag. And I think that's the whole point. I do love the fact that they are going a little harder on this. Um, Again, as I said earlier, I have soft spots for scumbag villains, and especially one that has no qualms about knowing where they're at, the world that they're living in, the fact that he's willing to screw over everyone just to survive. His, and not only that, but he's not exactly like, hey, I need to get out of here. He's like, no, there's potential around us. I could be the king of my own kingdom that no one's really going to bother me on. I just need the tools. And the, the, I will say that they kind of spent a little too much time with Shane trying to steal uh, Atlas Destroyer from uh, Tyler and Haley. Which, on a side note, did you find Haley a little too much uh, in the perky peppy department, or is that just me? Uh, I I don't think it's you alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I the siblings are what they are. Yeah. I understand that they were a focal point because they're. They're young, they're teenagers, their parents, you know, left. Mm-hmm. I would say that Shane is also not smart in how he screws over people because he has tools everywhere, mm-hmm. tools like people yes. or tools to use, and he just is so short-sighted He's very that want- he can't see. But, you know, there are obviously short-sighted villains, right? Yes. I mean, that's one type. So he's so short-sighted that he doesn't want to use what he has and is willing to kill the things that he has that could actually help him. So many, many times he's one of those villains that he could just be easily shot and in the movie would be over in five minutes or the show would be over in five minutes because he's that unwise in his choices. I, I always felt that the villains that I like 
is like Billy Russo, mm-hmm. uh, played by Ben Barnes in uh, The Punisher, mm-hmm. because you could buy him as a very cunning, very smart, very long-term goal, and he knows when to kill and when not to kill. You know, he's very smart about it. Yes. Villains like this, though, is not even just a plain generic, like the Dark Elf, Melikith, from, mm. like, Thor, the Dark World. That's fine, too. He's just so plain. This one was just too stupid <laughs> and should not have survived for as long as he did. Well, and that, I think, was one of my main problems. It is that 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 villain... Um, especially the I'm I'm vying for power. You see it with like a lot of like drug lords or guys who are you know in movies where you know the up and coming, the lieutenant who wants to take over. Like they think they got to be super badass to yield um, any power. Like when they're trying to usurp it, and then they end up kind of getting in their own way. There was a bit of that, but there are points where you do see that like Shane's not a, a complete. You know, numb nuts. Like what he does to Joel is pretty screwed up, uh, but it's also that point where the show's willing to go to places I didn't think it was willing to go to. Um, to you know, again, spoilers. He kills Joel by blowing up his damn by blowing up his damn walkie-talkie, and his head just explodes, which uh, shocked the crap out of me. I'm like, oh, oh wow, they're not playing around at all on this. Um, what? Okay. Apex and boy. Now, yes. Uh, okay, okay. I got I got a few things to say because these two, hands down, are my favorite thing out of anything in this entire show. Uh, Apex especially because Apex. Okay, so for a little uh, setup, one of my absolute favorite all time mangas slash animes is bio-boosted armor Giver. I live and die by Giver. Giver was one of the first things I ever discovered that was truly like, oh, this is what manga and anime are. Like, it's not quite, you know, I was watching Voltron and stuff, but when it turned like 9 or 10, and I saw that video cassette that was, you know, at, at Warehouse Music with Giver 2 on it, I'm like, wait, what is that? And then you find out, oh, this is based on a Japanese manga, and there's an anime for it. And when I got into it, I'm like, oh my god, this is what this is? It's violent. It's The designs are are wacky and out there. And there's a character, my absolute favorite character in that entire series is a character called Aptum. Aptum starts out as one of the one of these bad guys that the Givers fight. And he's a lost number, which means that his powers cannot be replicated. And he fights Giver, he gets his ass handed to him, and his two comrades get killed by Giver. So he's like, uh, okay, do what you need to do to power me up to, you know, the, the bad guys of the series, Kronos. So they take him back in, they give him this power up, and what it does is it severs him from the control of his evil overlords. So when he thinks he wants his revenge against Giver, but kind of like... Again, I'm jumping around here, but kind of like Agent Smith in the second and third um, Matrixes, once he's kind of free from the control of his masters, he's like, why am I doing this? You know what? Screw everyone. I'm going into business for myself. And he's awesome for it. Apex, when they introduced him, first off, I was so happy that they were using one of the, um, the kaiju drones because that was probably my favorite aspect of 
Uprising. I love those drones. They're such an awesome design and, and an awesome concept. My, I was bummed that they're only in, in the movie for about four and a half, five minutes for just one whole sequence. But the idea that one of them survived and it gets severed from the precursor's control and essentially goes into business for himself. Like he, he gains an identity. Like he turns himself black with the red, like tribal markings over him to kind of replicate the kaiju, you know, the kaiju blood that glows. Uh, the idea that he's out hunting kaiju and he's eating them, but at the same time he's like he's attacking parts of Australia because he knows something we don't. I, I was enthralled, and then he communicates with his onboard drift uh, uh, tech. App, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. So yes, yes, and and for those who know, he is a drone, a Jaeger drone that gets infected by kaiju. Yes. So they kind of merge together and then gain a little personality mm -hmm. there. It's it, again, it's the concept that I did love from Uprising was merging the Jaeger tech with like kaiju DNA. I the the I had like I sat there and when I was watching the second one, I'm like, God, it like Obsidian Fury feels like such a good character to toss away. Like, I, deep down, I kind of hope they bring him back in the series because the concept of him is utterly fantastic. And I know they're playing with it with uh, Apex, but part of me kind of still wants to see that character, like, the uh, the dark, like, the, the opposite of, of the Gypsy series, like, the the rival, the the shadow to their, to Gypsy Sonic, if you will. Um, so the fact that we get this super badass Jaeger, like this Kaiju Jaeger, uh, or they call him, they, they call him a bio, a bio Jaeger. I think that's what they call them. Um, that a biomech, a biomech, I think that lives under his own will. Like he has, he's conscious and he's not like a dumb brute. Like he's intelligent, like all the onboard tech on him. Like he is, I'm assuming that the fact that he has drift technology, he has access to everything that was available to those drones, which were all hooked up to, to, um, to remote pilots. If you remember the film. So, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the idea that there's he's he's kind of like Vision. It feels like he's like several personalities merged into one brand new being, if you will. And when he's drifting with with Kaiju Boy, you're like, ooh, okay. So so what's going to happen here? In the finale, when we finally get that reveal that Kaiju Boy is a pretender, he's a pretender, like from Transformers. He turns into a Kaiju of his own, like. He has a cool he going back to the Giver uh, analogy. He is another character in Giver that's an awesome character named Murakami, who was a protozoa lord. Like you find out, he was the test subject of the bad guys, and now he has powers like the bad guys, but they're they're a little different. They're they're not quite the same, and now they have they have their limitations. When Kaiju Boy transforms, like oh my god, like clearly, I'm assuming that. Greg Johnson or or Craig Kyle, the creators of the show, had, had to have watched that. Uh, had to have watched Guyver at one point. If not, then they hammered down on two of the greatest aspects of that show, and that's in that complete story. Because now I'm hooked. And then at the very end, when we get something that I've again going back to ideas that there, this series is so jam packed with potential. 
and great ideas. And part of it is Guillermo, like going like, what, 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 what do we do this? What do we do that? And then playing on some of the ideas that were built in Uprising. The the things we never got uh, proper explanation of were the kaiju worshippers, the cult the the cult members. Uh, we get a quick um, explanation from them from uh, Hannibal Chow uh, when they're going into their temple, but we never really get anything about. We don't get why they worship them, what they do, what is their religion. Um, I know Guillermo talked about it in in like a lot of the behind the scenes things on the DVD, but he's like, you know, just don't have enough time to you know to go into it. But you know, maybe later. Bringing these three and the, the the three sisters that they're wearing the head garb and everything, and they mentioned the kaiju messiah has showed up. I'm like, ooh, like now I'm again like like this. The show had me, and now it's got me lock, stock, and barrel. Like I again, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see where the hell this show goes because I am completely enthralled by the concepts they're playing with. And now I want uh, toys yes. for everything. Now you want the, the toys? I want the toys! Oh my god, I already pre-ordered Atlas Destroyer. I saw a lot of people complaining that they spoiled the ending because, again, Atlas Destroyer loses, I think it's the right arm. And when they make up, when they make friends with Apex, Apex goes through the Jaeger graveyard and grabs this arm and then attaches it to Atlas Destroyer. So now Atlas Destroyer has this cool claw arm that has a weapon on it that's like a a, um, a shoot hook. And uh, the toy, the day after the show premiered, the toy went up for sale on Big Bad Toy Store. And I saw people complain. It's like, they gave away the ending already. I'm like, to be fair, Netflix already did that because I pulled up this promo poster they released like a couple of days before. And it is spoilerific. After once you watch it, you're like, oh my god, they spoiled everything. But you had no concept for what was going on when you first saw this image. You're like, oh, that's a lot of cool stuff that's going on there. Then go back, you're like, oh, they gave it all away right in front of you without you even knowing. Yeah, I could see that. So I'm look, I'm looking at I'm looking at my kaiju drone right now. Like I got the 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 um, the diamond um, version. The, from Diamond uh, Diamond Dis- uh, Diamond Toys. By the way, uh, a pain in the butt to find now. Uh, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I could buy another one. I could find someone to customize it, but they really want to spend a couple hundred dollars because that's what the thing's going for. So no, I'm 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 hoping against hope that Atlas Destroyer is the first of a bunch of new merchandise because, again, I'm an easy sell for this stuff. I have all of the Nika figures. I have all the Nika Kaiju. I have all the Bandai Kaiju when they put them out in the soft vinyl. Now I'm like, okay, you can't leave me hanging. I need more. I want Copperhead. I want the two the, the two-legged ones that with the, the trendles that they fight that come out of the rifts. And I want all the other ancillary Jaegers they, they, they showed. And now not only that, I want to know her, what what happened with Hercules. Because he was one of the best characters in the first film. He's this badass. You know he's a badass. You get to see him be a badass. So he doesn't show up in the second one, but apparently he comes back some point to work, uh, you know, to, to work with um, the, the Pan Pacific uh, Defense Force. And he has this awesome moment because he's the one that initiates the black. And I believe it's the same actor. He comes, I believe it's the original actor. He comes back to voice him. But now I'm like hoping, I'm like, okay. Hopefully we get Herc to come back because not only that we got um, 
Striker Eureka got rebuilt and came back for a bit too. I'm just like, ooh, this is this is all good. This is all great. Even though it kind of doesn't make sense story wise, I'm like, I'm yes, I'm all in. The, I I assumed he had passed, but the parents are alive. Uh, is no, what no. I'm assuming from the whole thing. You mean Herc? Yes. No, like her, her, her dies in the beginning. I mean, well, he initiates the black, mm-hmm. and then the parents are in their Jaeger, and then they go, and then they go find the kids, and mm-hmm. they, uh, and then we jump to the end where we do see that his name is mentioned as one of the three, yes. right? That could drift by himself. Well, yes. ghost drift. Um, and then we got to see the parents as Jaeger with the door open, the hatch open, mm-hmm. but there's no bodies in there. I was expecting bodies. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, no, these two kids are going to see their dead parents, uh, and the parents are not there. No. So I don't know why. The impression that I got was the parents are alive, but Herc has passed. I got a feeling Herc survived. I mean, he was there. I mean, it, yeah, it does. I mean, I believe we see him fighting a kaiju as he initiates, I, th- I believe it's like a satellite launch. To pretty much evacuate the uh, the continent and pretty much seal it off from the rest of the world, um, I, it, they don't we don't get his fate, but I got a feeling that he's not quite dead yet. Uh, and if, if they're going to bring back anybody, especially if they're in Australia, Herc makes the most sense. And um, I honestly, I would love to, I would really love if if he got some sort of arc in this in this whole story. Like they they are. Touching on the past, they do. They mentioned the uprising wars. They meant, as you said, they mentioned uh, Stacker and they mentioned Raleigh. So they are, they are acknowledging what came before it and playing with this, playing with what was laid down. Um, I, but it, and this, this is another aspect too that I was kind of like digging. I dig that it's a kind of self-contained. Like we don't know what's going on outside of the world. We don't know. We just know that the precursors managed to get back in. They're managing to send kaiju back or kaiju through rifts and they're opening more rifts. So something went down after uprising. Um and not only that, but like yes, it's I mean as I said the show is Mad Max. They're Pacific Rim, you know, Fury Road. It's it's so far thus self-contained. I, I hope that we do see at least glimpse of what's going on in the bigger world because again, there's there's mass potential in this entire franchise, and it this is the first time that I really do feel like they were they're finally touching on those ideas. And the beauty is, is because it's animation, you can get away with a lot of that stuff over live action. I mean, those those first two films are not cheap. You watch this, get probably the budget that it costs to build. The gimbal set that is the um, the Jaeger cockpit probably was the entire budget for this for this whole show. Not a bad thing because it does deliver. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, that note, Jessica, what did you think of the actual animation itself? It was not bad. I mean, I wasn't screaming. My mm-hmm. eyes, I wasn't like, oh god, what is happening? And just pushing through because the story is good, mm-hmm. which I will always use this as an example. I know it's much earlier in the years. The Green Lantern animated series almost mm-hmm. made my eyes bleed, but the story was so good. Mm-hmm. And I also know that it was more of the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, times. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I didn't mind it. It wasn't terrible. It didn't hurt my eyes. I mm. was okay. I could adjust fairly quickly. In, in comparison to the three Godzilla movies we got, did, would you say it's a, uh, an improvement? Oh, yes. Uh, you mean the three Godzilla anime? Yes, which were also done by oh. Polygon Pictures. Yes, it was also done by Polygon. Exactly the exact same people. Uh, I think it was an improvement, yes. But also, I have been so marred by the Godzilla trilogy anime mm. that I <laughs> I would say this is loads better. Mm-hmm. For those who like it, that's great. Uh, it was that one was not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can if if anybody's curious, just gonna have a, a very spirited discussion about those films. I think. It's like episode like 67 or 68, but if you want to go back and hear that, she gets passionate, very passionate about uh, some uh, very interesting choices that those movies made, especially our hero at the end, too. Like, I, I remember you getting really heated about, about uh, what was his name, Haru? Yeah, Haruo, because yeah. you know it was like Haruo Nakajima. Mm-hmm. And he left his uh, he left his baby mama to uh, to raise that kid on her own. I if I if I could stab him, <laughs> I would do it. Ah, uh, you you. you. <laughs> It was, you were so mad because you felt he was so indignant in that character move. Uh, it, I still laugh about that too. I re- <laughs> we were sitting in your in in your kitchen and you were just like almost like pounding your desk about how angry he was. I recommend everybody go back and listen to that episode. It's uh it's Jessica at her at her rawest, if you will. Like that there's there is heated passion that comes out for those films. I am so mad. <laughs> I, yeah, was not pleased. So, I got to give it up to the creators, uh, uh, Greg Johnson and uh, Craig Kyle. Craig Kyle, uh, actually, had, he's been around for a while. He's one half of the creators of X-23. Uh, he's He was a writer on... I think X-Men for a while. He definitely he was one of the co-creators of X-Men Evolution. Um, I think he did a few books. I know he did, uh, what was it? The book was what, XYZ? I think that's the one that introduced X-23. And he also uh, did the stories for all three Thor films. And I think he did the, I believe he did the screenplay for Thor Ragnarok. So the man's been around. So he knows he knows his storytelling. Great uh, Johnson, I believe, has a long history in animation as well. Hats off to these guys because this felt very reminiscent of, um, in many ways, of, of like GI Joe Resolute, which was done by written by Warren Ellis. Uh, a man, you're like, really, Warren? Warren Ellis is going to take a crack at Joe? And you're like, yes, and he makes it awesome. These two guys, I clearly went back, watched those films, and are like, you know what? Here's here's some great ideas. Here's some concepts to play with, and let's lean in to the uh, let's lean into the lore. And God bless Netflix for going. They're like, you know what? We like that Pacific Rim. Let's make an animated series. It did feel like, I mean, they announced it this back in what? 2018, I think we reported on it. It was like mid-2018, and then nothing. It it kind of like vanished. We're like, oh, I guess that's not happening anymore. And then all of a sudden, boom, here it is. And definitely, as you said, Jessica, not what you were expecting at all. Like, even I was kind of taken back by, so this is the story choices you made. All right. I For me, I'm in. 
but I, I really thought it was going to be something else. But you know what? I was pleasantly surprised, especially when I heard the synopsis about like six months ago. It's like two kids. I'm like, oh, come on. Let's let's not do um, let, let, let's not let this be like a happy go lucky kind of like, you know, kid. I mean, it is kids that discover Jaeger, but there's there's much more heft to it, if you will. Yes, yes. And I do think I went into it a little bit fatigued mm-hmm. because of I was watching several anime series and I know it's par for the course, so I already know what I got myself into was a children under the age of twenty like people under the age of twenty one as the main characters, not yeah. like Shane or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for something I think at the time a little bit geared towards people 25 and older, but I understood that it was about a brother and sister pair going in. So I wasn't like pissed off and angry. It was like, where are all the 25 and overs? I, we knew going in when Mm -hmm. we saw the trailers. Yeah, I do that again. uh, Look, you and I grew up in a time when cartoons did uh, very few of them focused on actual children protagonists like the cartoons we all grew up like you and i grew up on in the 80s and 90s like the protagonists were pretty much adults and if they weren't adults they were young adults in as they could buy liquor like they were that they were that old um look gi joe jam and the holograms um x-men uh, Batman, like these cornerstone, like gargoyles. There's no kids in gargoyles. Gargoyles is one of the absolute best anything that Disney has ever produced, and that is a show where if, if it was made today, like the notes would be like, why are the gargoyles old? Like why are they grown up? Like make them kids. Why is Eliza a like mid thirties New York you know homicide detective? She needs to be you know a preteen you know that makes friends with these things and they go on adventures like. No, no. That, I mean, you look at cartoons today. I get, I get the sentiment of aiming it at kids, but kids. I mean, you look at the Marvel films. There's uh, Spider-Man's the youngest guy, uh, the youngest character by about you know, and he's still like 17, 18. All everyone else, Captain America, Iron, Iron Man is nearly his. Iron Man, like Tony Stark in those films, is pushing. I want to say almost fifty by the time they're done. Like, he is not a young man at all. Robert Downey Jr. is well into his 50s. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, he is. And also, I love the fact in Civil War, you see the debut of Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and someone's like, how old is this kid? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know, I didn't carbon date him. <laughs> Technically, Steve and Bucky are over 100 years old, but, you know, they're still men in their... You know, early 30s. 30s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Falcon, he's in his 30s. Like, everyone is of age. Like, and not only that, but children love these characters. You don't... The idea you have to equally relate, so you have to you have to be a kid in order to enjoy, or you have to be an old and enjoy these things, that's, that's, that's BS. Like, you know, you, as long as the character's interesting, people will take to them. That's that's all it needs to be. Like, and I miss, I do miss those days. I miss those days of, you know, great action cartoons. And again, I saw. I think I, deep down, you know, I'm having an epiphany right now. I think that's part of the reason why this speaks to me a little bit because it does remind me of 
the days of me getting up watching Voltron uh, and when I'm older watching Technoman like on on channel 13 and going like wow why why aren't uh, more shows like this because it's there's like a heavy drama there's a ton of stuff there's awesome action the designs look look great Ronin Warriors well Hold on, I take that back because those are a bunch of pretty boy teens. Uh, those that I, I, I take that one back. Um, but that being said, you get where I'm going with it. Action, greatness, and you know, you, not everything has to be kid friendly. So I'm I'm kind of glad. And, and not only that, I would show this to like older kids. I mean, I wouldn't show this to, like, a 5-year-old, but, like, a 10, 11-year-old, they would definitely dig this. And I I think they would um, immediately, like, lean into it. I saw a lot of a lot of anime fans, uh, I there use weebs, uh, talk about this and kind of talk. They, they had some of the same issues you had, Jessica, where, like, they're like, God, the bad guy's kind of an idiot, but he's also just, he's kind of a POS for the sake of being a POS. Um but they they also kind of were like you know but I still get it this this is something else and by the way it's not anime it's Netflix animation because there's in no world where this is considered anime at all I mean they're Netflix I I I give them all the credit in the world for giving us things like this like um, the Transformers uh, the really kind of adult Transformers show that they're doing right now but then you turn around and you do you know. Ghost in the Shell in 3D animation, and it looks like utter garbage. So you're like, all right, not everything's going to be a winner. But you know what they also gave us? Voltron. So I am forever in their debt. Yes, yes, very, very true. And I, you know, many people have also heard my... I felt I felt robbed with... Uh... <laughs> With Lance and Aurora Babies, so... <laughs> you did not get adorable, adorable human, uh, uh, hu oh my god, why am I blanking on their name? What was the race? It wasn't, the Galra was the other one, it was, uh, the, not, not, uh, what was their race? Oh my god, it's been a while. But yeah, you didn't get to see, you know, little Lances with, like, semi-pointy ears and little, and little rosy cheeks. They gave you the Gurren login ending. That's what they gave you, Jessica. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they they did. And sometimes endings like that is for people. You know, they mm. don't, they're like, not everything I watch used to have a happy ending. And I was like, look, if I'm watching something for entertainment, mm. uh, life is sad enough already for many reasons. Just open the news. So, like you want a little, you want something I happy. I prefer some happiness. Yes, you want. She's Altaian. Altaian, Altean. thank you. The Altaians. I knew Laura's something about Altean. A. Yes. So Altaian human hybrids, you know, little 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 chubby babies with uh, you know slightly pointed ears. Uh, by the way, uh, am I the only one that's disappointed we didn't get a follow-up showing uh, Pidge and her dad creating uh, the vehicle Voltron and leading that whole armada into space? Oh, that would have been amazing. I still want it. I want it to this day. And if anybody at Netflix is listening, give me that. And I will throw you all my money in my, that I have in my account. Like, I still want that show. I Side tangent, I... 
effing love that Voltron. Again, it is the gold standard of how to properly reboot a show. It's up there with the 2002 He-Man, and it's up there with the 2011 Thundercats. Of like, here are the things I loved as a child, and here's how they did them right. That show is magnificent, and to me, has zero fault. It is pretty much perfect. I even enjoyed the ending. Um, but not only that, but God, the animation was beautiful, and we had awesome mechs. To this day... This is why I'm so adamant about them making toys for Pacific for the Pacific Rim show, because I got denied so hard on all of the beautiful mechs and different um I, the, the, all the different mechs that Voltron introduced. Never, no one ever gave me a figure. That's the problem with Playmates when they have that license. They produced some cool figures, but they also produced nine different Voltrons, and Voltron had nothing to fight. Nothing. What am I supposed to do with five Voltrons? They need to fight something. If you're a kid, you want Voltron to fight other monsters. If you don't have any monsters, what what's the point? Ah! <laughs> I could see that. I could see that as well. I mean, he... I would, in a crazy world, see super mice, the space mice, come mm-hmm. together to a giant mouse. Yes. Somehow they're evil. Mm-hmm. They fight Voltron. <laughs> I want the I still want the Ark uh, ship that pretty much was their version of the I think it was the YMSF uh, one from um, uh, Robotech. I want that, and then I want the Super Galaxy Voltron that it fuses with it. Like I want the I want Zarkon's uh, back. I want uh, Lotor's mech, and I want um, Hagar's mech. Like they're they are beautifully designed, absolutely stunning. And no one, no one's giving me one kit. One kit. I'm looking at the one Voltron I got right here. It's cool, but damn it, I need more. I got so much Super Robot stuff, but I need that because I freaking love that show. Anyway, time, tangent aside. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. So, overall, I think this is a fantastic step in the right direction this year with so much stuff coming out. I mean, Jessica, we are going to be lousy with this stuff in a couple of weeks. Um, not only is Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong a week away from from uh, from our recording, but uh, this Friday in Japan, Godzilla Singular Point also starts. Sometime down the road, we have uh, April in oh, two weeks from now, uh, the second uh, series of SSS Greyman starts, which we're going to go deep diving into that. Just. Jessica finally watched it after about two years. I'm like, Jessica, you got to watch this. And I just got a text. Jessica, just tell me what your text you sent me was when you finally finished it. Oh, what I think I wrote something like, what did I just watch? Exactly. That's what a lot of people said. Oh, well, first of all, I do know Gridman history and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But also, I was watching it with a friend of mine. And everything, he, oh my gosh, my best friend, the stuff. He was actually there for all three, Sam. Yes. As he's been to G-Fest and he's been to other conventions like the Power Rangers Con mm-hmm. and Power Con and everything. And there's also somebody, is a friend of Chris's. Chris and Sam know each other. He's, he's graciously uh, in the background, just kind of staring and shaking his head. He's, he's your... Um, he, he reminds me of Adam Scott so much, too. I know it bugs the, bugs the crap out of him when I bring that up, too. Oh, no, 
everybody going when Ben Wyatt is like, I don't understand. It's just kind of a mini horse. Yes. Uh, with little Sebastian, mm-hmm. he he doesn't hate any of the phantoms that I love or anything. He actually he he himself is a Voltron. Teenage mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles, you know, he likes Yu Yu Hakusho. He he likes a lot of stuff. But when it comes to like Godzilla, Voltron, SSS Gridman, the fact that I made him sit through three Godzilla animes, <laughs> realize that Mecha Godzilla was a city and a city that never transforms. Mm-hmm. Everything is happening. Uh, he got to the SSS. I mean, the end of SSS Gridman saw the ending, which I think we'll speak about in another episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he went, what? <laughs> and I was also like, huh? And then I had to explain to him everything that I knew. And even then, he said, what? And he is not a dumb person. He's And he's steeped into anime. That That is his... Um modus operandi like he knows his anime and the fact that he even was like what like that 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 spoke volumes um yeah that that show is some deep deep cut stuff in in the world of tokusatsu and i it's airing right now on um adult swim i think they're halfway through it and i see a lot of people who are just now tuning into it, like oh this is kind of cool like but at the same time they're like what, what the hell's going on here it's like if you if You've never seen the original show, or the fact the fact that he even references the American version too. Um, you're going to be a little bit lost, but that's how Trigger works. The studio that made it. So, all right. Um, I think we're going to end it there. Oh, real quick, uh, I I just want to point out the the other anime reference, and I did notice that Mai was dressed like Ira from Zerum. Which I thought was pretty. Uh, which was pretty. I I I dug that kind of little, that little uh, that little nod. That's again, that's up there with Voltron referencing uh, Macross slash Robotech, like in the last season. I'm just like, you know what? I'm down for this. This is I like I like these little these teeny little nods. Even though yes. Mai's character has got there, there's a lot more. I think they're going to be unpacking there. And I know that some things made people uncomfortable with her character, but I don't think I think it's a it, it's all a swerve, especially considering what they're doing with the drip technology. But uh, that is to be seen when we get uh, the second half of the season. So uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's in a few months. Netflix. Yes, yes. And, I'm sorry, and you know what? Mine was one of those characters that I understand. I wouldn't say it's Stockholm Syndrome, but, you know, I understand there's a whole thing even after she finds out the truth. She could easily kill him. Yes. And I think that's that's where they're going, too. There's there's a lot of threads laid out, and honestly, I'm not 100% sure where this show's going. And I love it for that. I really, I can't see where this. I, the only thing I, I, I can see is that Mai's gonna kill Shane. Like, and it's gonna be, it's, it's gonna be good. Like, it's gonna come to that point when, like, he's gonna get his, and you're gonna be like, yes, yes, this, this is, this is awesome. So, that's the only thing I can see. Other, everything else, I have no idea where any of this is going, and that excites the crap out of me because I can't tell you one thing or another that's going to happen. Like, I don't even know these kids are going to survive. Like one of them might die because that's the beauty about them playing with the drift. Like especially the fact that they, there's technically three, there's three people in that roster now that can pilot that Jaeger. And they do, they do kind of keep the rule set that not everybody is drift compatible. I mean, we saw that with Joel's character. Um, And, 
that it does have a strain, especially if you're not 100% like compatible. Right. Like we saw that with Mai when she's trying to pilot with uh, with uh, Taylor, and like, oh yeah, we're not like we we just need to run. That's all you really need to do. So I get a feeling the show has got a few few more tricks up its sleeve, and uh, I I can't wait. I really cannot wait. But until then, we have so much more that we're gonna have to go into. So. I think we're going to leave it at that right now because um, it's getting pretty late, and uh, I know Jessica's busy. She's got a she's got a bolt soon, so uh, tune in. We're, we're going to have one more episode. Um, we're going to do like a big preview for Godzilla vs Kong the next episode, so we're going to have like two episodes back to back. So stay tuned for that, and then I believe I th- I want to I'm going to give everyone we're going to give everyone a good week to watch Godzilla vs Kong. Let it sit in um, and make notes. And then Jessica and I will be back with... Do you want to tell them what we're going to be doing now, Jessica? We are going to have live videos. We're going to have YouTube videos. Yes. So Godzilla vs. Kong will be our first ever live video. So you can see Jessica and my trollish face live online finally. (laughs) Let's be honest here. So, no, you just say excited, boyish. Oh yeah. Oh, you, you now you'll be able to see me flip out when you hear me flip out. You can actually see like, oh my god, dude, like tune it down to like four. Like you're at eleven and a half. Like no, it's my, it's our show. We'll do what we want, and I will be excited for the things I want to be excited about. If you can't be excited about things in life, it is not worth living, Jessica. I think you know that too. Yes. Yes, in the world that we live in, we should always find joy where there is, small or big. I mean, obviously big, we should, mm-hmm. but small as well. So stay tuned for that. We will give um, we'll give the information. I think we're going to aim, like I said, so Godzilla vs. Kong opens on the 31st out here. So yes. it's available on HBO Max. And uh, I'm going to say it here. We're going to go into the next episode. If you guys really want to support this, and, and we are living in a very interesting era right now in concerning to our entertainment, uh, streaming and theatrical are in a very weird place. And the fact that we're even getting a movie of this caliber streaming for essentially free if you have HBO Max um, is unprecedented. So... For those who who are out there saying, like, oh, I got my tickets. Uh, great. If you can and you feel safe, that's the important thing. If you feel safe and comfortable to go to a theater, please go to a theater. If you don't, watch it on HBO Max because here's the thing with this film. This film and its future, and the future of the series, which may or may not be already made up, is going to be detrimental on those HBO Max numbers more than they're going to be on the box office. So even if you go see it in the bo- in the theater and you give that money to the box office, and by the way, these studios know at the most is like it's forty. At the most, most theaters are at forty percent capacity. So there's no way this movie is going to make even fifty million dollars in the first week. It's just mathematically impossible. But if those HBO Max numbers go up, if you subscribe now, if they see that the numbers are jumping, and especially if the people are viewing it, that right now, honestly, is more important to them than box office, just because we're we're living at. So there's no wrong way to watch this movie. And if you're going to watch it multiple times, 
that helps even better. Honestly, this is probably the best situation for this film. As we know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, didn't exactly light the world on fire, and everyone was freaking out two two years ago that, like, oh, my God, if Godzilla vs. Kong doesn't, you know, make money, this might be it. Well, we're... The way that the cards have fallen, Godzilla vs. Kong might actually be in probably the best position that it could that any film could be in right now. This is going to be the first film out the gate for what is essentially the soft reopening for the, for our country. And I it, the pre-sale tickets are already showing that people are kind of hungry to get back to life. So, um, we'll go deeper into that in the next episode. But uh, yes, well before I get hit, yeah, and I'm not going to hit myself. So, we'll save that for the next episode. Just know that there's no wrong way to watch it. All right, Jessica, where can the good people find more of us? Yes, you can find us anywhere. Podcasts are being listened to, streamed, downloaded, like Apple, Google, Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. Please let me know if I'm incorrect on no. one of those. Spotify. Chris. Yep, we're all there. Spot. We're all we're we're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And exactly. And I was like, there's no wrong way to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And also, we are on. The Kaiju Kingdom podcast on Facebook. We are also the Kaiju Kingdom podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Yes, and be sure to check if you're if you're downloading this episode. It is you can get us directly from our our website, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast.com, which uh, we have uh, as we just noted a video coming very very soon. So stay tuned for that. All right, and on that note, that will end. This episode of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and Jessica. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.